values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. There is no way you can hear this song and not think of the movie The Blues Brothers. No way. <laughs> right, Jeff? You got that right. Oh, my. As soon as it comes on, I picture John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd dancing on the stage. It's hilarious. What a great movie. It's awesome. I love that movie. I do, too. It's a, it's a classic. Uh, thanks for being here, by the way. I uh, want to thank you for joining us for part of your morning. Did you hear this coming up in just a few minutes? It's been an extremely busy news day, so there's going to be a lot to cover ground in, those, in that part of the show coming up at 1120. Carrie Lake, a uh, solo gubernatorial appearance postponed after Hobbs granted an interview with PBS as the headline. There was a lot to unpack here if you weren't familiar with what's going on. Um, Katie Hobbs has been criticized by a lot of people, even her own party, to be honest with you, that she is refusing to debate Carrie Lake. It, it appears to be a sign of weakness. And I'm always trying to be fair. I, I'm not saying she's weak. It appears that she's weak. You can't deny that. The appearance of weakness, unless you are a diehard supporter and their camp is shouting, we don't want to be a part of the craziness. She refused to debate in the primary. She has a history of denying these debates, not to mention that the people putting on the debate was going to be clean elections. The Clean Elections Commission has been doing this for about 20 years. Absolutely fair. Absolutely unbiased. Now, I'll be honest. If I were hosting a debate, if I said I want to host a debate, if KTAR News said we're going to host it, we'd like to host a gubernatorial debate and Mike Broomhead's going to be the moderator. I would understand if Katie Hobbs Camp said, ooh, we're not sure about that because of how right-leaning he is. I would understand. I wouldn't agree. I think I can be fair, but I would understand that stance. There's no doubt about that. Not in this case. Ted Simons, PBS, has earned a reputation over the years of being extremely fair, which is why the Clean Elections Commissions went to them for all of these debates, not just one, all of the debates, and they have been fair. So to say or to believe that they are not are not going to be fair is not the case. What Katie Hobbs campaign said was we're not showing up to debate her because she's crazy and we're not going to be a part of the chaos and we're not going to be a part of the crazy. So PBS did with Carrie Lake what they were going to do or what they did do with Marco Lopez, who was the primary challenger against Katie Hobbs, which is, OK, you get a 30 minute interview. If your opponent's not going to show up for the debate, you are going to get a 30-minute interview. That interview was set to air yesterday. It didn't air because word got out that PBS circumvented their partners in the Clean Elections uh, Commission and offered or agreed to. I don't know if it was offered or if it was requested, but agreed to give the same 30 minutes to Katie Hobbs that they were giving to Carrie Lake. Not only that, they were going to interview Katie Hobbs after and are, I, I shouldn't say were, because as far as I know, they still are, going to interview Katie Hobbs, the Secretary of State, after the Lake interview aired. Which means that she gets an up. not only does she not have to debate, but then she gets an opportunity to watch every answer that Carrie Lake gives, then prep, and then go do a 30-minute rebuttal interview after she was the one that refused to debate. Huge mistake. On, on behalf of PBS here, which they don't normally make. I'm, I'm certainly not a hater of PBS, not at all. And I've never met Ted Simons. I don't know him personally. But I tried to reach out to him after a couple of the debates to tell him I thought he did a very good job. I don't know him. Uh, but I did try to reach out to him uh, just because I've moderated debates. It's not easy to do. And I think he's done a fine job with the debates. Um, but I don't know him. So I want you to hear just a quick comment um, 
from the governor. Uh, this is what Governor Ducey said about this exact topic this morning on my show. I have always found PBS to be fair and balanced, and they made a big mistake here. You just can't do this. You have a debate. You invite both candidates. One declined to come, so the other candidate, Kerry Lake, gets the stage. So he went on to say that they just need to fix it. PBS and Ted Simon specifically have a brand of being fair and even-handed, and they made a mistake here. They should just rip the Band-Aid off and fix it. So how do you fix this issue? Which is the best way to fix it? Katie Hobbs can show up and debate, or Carrie Lake can have that time. Fair enough, and that's what they did in the primary. And the reason why this is big is because this is the highest office in the state of Arizona. It is the most important election with all due respect to the other candidates for other offices. It is the most important election that's happening in the state of Arizona. And it's a high stakes game. And in the court of public opinion – yeah, I believe Katie Hobbs has been losing on this issue. It looks as if you don't want to debate. You didn't debate in the primary. Now you're refusing to debate. And she's the first candidate that has ever refused to debate in, in a primary, as far as I know, in the 20 years or so that Clean Elections Commission has been doing these debates. So it doesn't look good. It didn't look good. And then for them to cave in over at PBS and do what they've done, it's the first time and the first time I will say that I think publicly they've really stepped in it. They made a big mistake here. Now, I understand they put a statement out, which I want you to hear. And I, I don't I don't I don't like the statement either. Um Arizona PBS has offered both Carrie Lake and Katie Hobbs a 30-minute interview as candidates for governor as part of our Horizon News program. The problem here is that's not what happened. That ultimately happened, but it, it sounds as if they both were given this offer. That's not what happened. They were both offered an opportunity to debate. Katie Hobbs declined. Her camp was told, well, then Carrie Lake will be given a 30-minute interview. If you're not going to debate her, she's going to get that time to be in an interview. After that, either they offered Katie Hobbs or Katie Hobbs requested equal time in 30 minutes of her own, and they acquiesced and said, yes, we'll give you 30 minutes after they had already talked to Carrie Lake, and she was going to get her interview after she had an opportunity to see it. Now, I don't think I'm, – I'm giving PBS every benefit of the doubt. I don't think they thought it through that way. I don't think they, they conspired with Hobbs to give them this opportunity. They still made a huge mistake. This goes on. It's our respon- it is our responsibility as a news agency to provide the public with access to candidates who are running for office so they can learn more and make informed decisions. That is absolutely the truth. And the Clean Elections Commission, in partnership with PBS Arizona, decided that they were going to host a gubernatorial debate that was going to be fair and it was going to push and ask questions of both candidates. And they failed miserably when one candidate said they weren't going to show up. And yet you are still going to give her an interview after she had an opportunity to see Carrie Lake's interview. That's like giving someone the debate questions. I'm not saying they intended to, but at this point, they have to realize that's exactly what it looks like. Not only are you then acquiescing to a candidate who refused your debate invitation, she's going to have an opportunity to listen to and watch what Carrie Lake says and be prepared to rebut in her interview. So she gets not only a second chance, but an unfair advantage. 
That's how this appears. I'm anxious to see how PBS handles this. If they go silent or if they try to get out in front of this even more and try to fix it. We'll see. Coming up in a moment, it is the biggest news stories of the day in a segment we call Did You Hear This? Stick around. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. One of the busiest news days we've seen in quite a while. Let's get it done. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Yesterday, the Arizona Citizens Clean Elections Commission postponed Republican nominee Carrie Lake's 30-minute solo interview after Arizona PBS agreed to separate the inter- to a separate interview with Secretary Hobbs. Unfortunately, PBS and ASU have done a backroom deal with that coward to give her airtime that she does not deserve. What are your thoughts on the situation? I, I, I don't think that uh, Carrie Lake is wrong. I think that it was a backroom deal. you got to remember there has been a partnership with PBS and with the Clean Elections Commission to put these debates together for candidates and there's a lot of legwork that goes into this on behalf of the Clean Elections Commission and when PBS went behind the backs of their partners and offered this to a candidate who refused to show up for the debates, it was the wrong thing to do. The punishment for not showing up for the debate is your opponent gets the floor. They've taken that away. Not only did they take that away, they've given her an opportunity or were giving her an opportunity, it depends on what happens now, to see the Lake interview and then rebut with her own 30 minutes. I don't know that they meant to give her that kind of advantage, but it's an unfair advantage for sure, and this is one case where Carrie Lake absolutely has a, has the right to be angry as she is, and so does the Clean Elections Commission. Shouldn't have happened, and PBS should clean it up. Governor Doug Ducey was in studio today, and he shared his thoughts on the gubernatorial debate situation. PBS and Ted Simon specifically have a brand of being fair and even-handed, and they made a mistake here. They should just rip the Band-Aid off and fix it. How would PBS go about fixing it? I think the only way you do it is you rescind the offer to Katie Hobbs, and you say, we're going to go back to our original plan. We made a mistake, and in the interest of trying to be fair, we now realize we weren't fair, that true fairness is everybody has an opportunity to debate, but if you refuse to show up like we did in the primary, your opponent gets the 30 minutes. That's how it was designed. That's how it should be implemented, and that's what we're going back to. That's the only way they can fix this. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the big headlines. The January 6th committee hearings reconvened today, and committee chair Benny Thompson had this to say during his opening remarks. Over the course of these hearings, the evidence has proven that there were a multi-part plan led by former President Donald Trump to overturn the 2020 election. What have you seen out of these hearings? What? What? I'm sorry, I fell asleep there. Um, I've seen nothing out of these hearings. I'm sorry. This is this is partisan politics. It's the same as I saw. I didn't like the audit what happened in Arizona. It was run by a bunch of Republicans that wanted to prove a point that they already believed. These are not hearings to try to gather evidence. These are people that just want you to hear what they have to say. So I don't think it's going to solve or sway anybody. If you're someone that believes believes that the president is guilty of crimes, this is going to affirm that for you. If you're someone that didn't believe it, this is not going to change your mind. I think that this is, uh, I think it's long overdue to be over. 
President Biden released a statement today that says today's inflation report shows some progress. The president highlighting that inflation is down from 11 percent in the prior quarter, but adding that Americans, quote, didn't need today's report to tell them that the cost of living has been too high for years. The Consumer Price Index shows prices were 8.2 percent higher in September compared to a year ago. Have you seen progress in the state of inflation? No. Um, As a matter of fact, we're looking at what we are hearing is it's going to get worse. The one bright spot we did see was about a little over 90 days, maybe 98 days, whatever it was, maybe 100, whatever, of a decrease in gas prices. That was good news. That lightened the load for the average American. Gas prices have gone back up, and we are going to. they are saying now that fuel prices in general to heat your home and otherwise are going to go back up again over the winter. So, no, I think things are getting worse, not better, which means the Fed is going to have to act more aggressively, which is going to jack interest rates. So it's going to be a rough road until they can get this under control. And we're going to go there next. Uh, what we're going to do in the next part of the show is talk uh, at more length about inflation and what's happening and the, the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, and what it means for the average consumer in Arizona, but also hearing from the governor about why Arizona is better positioned to weather this storm than the rest of the country. I think it's a valuable conversation. Um, Having these discussions, I think, are important for all of us. The the statement made by the White House, I still think, shows that they're tone deaf. And I think more than anything else, that's the big issue. When you are the leader of the country as the president of the United States, you have got to be able to get out in front of things. Uh, I mentioned before, you know, I I, um, I I like the governor. I get along well with the governor. I think he's done, for the most part, a very good job as the governor of Arizona. I disagreed with their stance and the way that they handled COVID-19. Um, I, I thought that they shut down down a little bit and didn't communicate enough. I've been critical of my own party when I think that it's it, it's warranted. You can never over-communicate in a crisis. I think what the Biden administration is doing here is hiding from the facts. The people can see what's happening right in front of their faces. And when you, when you are looking at something and then the leader tells you that's not true, unless you absolutely, unless you absolutely are in the tank, you have to admit that this, no one saw this coming. And yet here we are. So coming up in a moment, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the 8.2% inflation over a year ago. We're going to look at the consumer price index numbers individually in the necessities and then what it averages out to be. And you're going to hear the statement from the White House on this latest report. All that's coming up next. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, I want to read a statement. We are going to get back on the topic of inflation and where we're at. I've got some numbers I want to throw your way quickly about with the state of where we are in this country. The statement from the White House is, and my biggest criticism of the Biden administration has been lack of acknowledgement. They are tone deaf. And I I believe that's the biggest mistake you can make. I've given credit to former presidents that have gotten it the right way, even when I disagreed with them. I was not a fan of the Clinton administration. I'm a Republican. But Bill Clinton knew how to speak to Americans. Bill Clinton pointing his knuckle and saying, I feel your pain and and explaining the feelings of the American public as taxes were going up and things were happening. Um, That didn't mean everybody agreed with him, but there was an acknowledgement that things weren't right. And if you don't do that, if you don't connect, you've got the average people, the average American doesn't care about politics. I think that anybody that listens or is involved as deeply as I am 
Uh, it, you can lose sight of that very quickly. Um, there are I, I equate elections and politics to sports. There are people. I am a Cardinals fan. I also love the game of football. But I'm a Cardinals fan, just like I am a Republican. But I also love diving into the politics and the political mindset of people. It's a it's a world I like to be in. But I also have to understand that there are some people out there that don't care. There are people that just hate Sundays because they don't want to watch football. They're not interested. But when you go to a game, you have people that know the game. Better than some of the people on the sidelines. What I mean by that is they know the players, they know the depth chart, they know the coaching staff. They are in, in it is just what they live for. They love preseason. They they go to watch the Cardinals practice. They watch the draft on TV. They are that kind of into it as 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 uh, sports fans. There are others that buy tickets like me. You know, go to the games, know the team, know the game, hope we win, cheer for our side. And there are others that you can hear in the stands that will ask the question, when we have the ball, are we on offense or defense? They are just there in the jersey to clap for their team, but they have no clue what's going on. And you run that gamut in the political world as well. The average person doesn't care about politics. What they care about is leadership being concerned about what's important to them. Just a little bit of the statement from President Biden. Today's report shows some progress in the fight against higher prices. To write that line when you've got the highest rate of inflation, these CPI numbers, the highest numbers you've had in 40 years is a most tone deaf statement in here. Even with this progress, prices are still too high. That's the closest they've come to an acknowledgement. Um, because of my economic plan, and I'm jumping around in this, the United States is in a stronger position than any major economy to take on this challenge. They haven't taken on this challenge. That's the issue. I certainly don't expect them to come out and apologize for the mistakes they've made. That's asking way too much, and it's a ridiculous thing to ask for, that the Biden administration would come out and say, hey, we got it wrong on inflation. That's ridiculous. They're not going to do that. But you have to acknowledge that we are in a very bad place, and they haven't done that. Here's something. This is from Reuters. U.S. consumers can expect to pay up to 28% more to heat their homes this winter due to surging fuel costs and a slightly colder weather forecast than last year. Nearly half of U.S. households rely on national ga- natural gas for heat, with the average cost of those homes expected to rise 28% to $931 for the October to March period. The average cost for home with gas last year was $724. U.S. gas prices at the Henry Hub benchmark were up 75% so far this year as soaring global gas prices. Um, electricity, um, heating homes, it's more expensive than gas. Estimated that $1,359 per household is coming this winter. That represents a modest 10% increase from last winter. Here are the numbers from the Consumer Price Index for all the necessities. Gasoline is up 18.2% year over year. Groceries, 13% year over year. Utilities, 33.1% year over year. The average is 21.4%. When you have numbers like that and you come out with a statement with the glowing response, a glowing um, uh, report on how good you've done and how great you're doing, it's tone deaf. 
tone deaf. I don't expect them to fall on a sword and say we were wrong all along, but we're going to fix it now. But they certainly have to acknowledge that what's happening right now is unacceptable and that it's very, very difficult. They understand. They feel the pain of the American people. So what do we have here? Why is the uh, economy here? Why is Arizona better equipped and in a better position to weather this storm? Our governor had this to say on the show this morning. We are better positioned to weather the storm because our economy has been transformed. I mean, these companies, high-tech, high-paying jobs that have come here, that have invested, have raised our housing prices, have given us an atmosphere where everybody that wants to work can find a job. People are getting raises. They're climbing the ladder. And I don't want to see a downturn or, or a slowdown, but it happens in the business cycle. I think Arizona is well positioned to navigate through that and not participate in any coming recession. And so when the governor talks like that, there's reasons why. We have a 2.5%, flat tax that everybody's going to pay. That's a tax cut for everybody in the state of Arizona. They have increased money into the coffers because we have, well, we have more taxpayers. So we have broadened the tax base so that the government is getting more money in the state of Arizona and charging people less on average. What's interesting about that is the people that are against this are just of the punish the rich mentality. When you hear the criticism of this flat tax is that, well, it's benefiting richer people more. Well, it is because they're paying a lot more in taxes, but it's a fair tax. When you go and buy something and there's sales tax on it, they don't charge a higher percentage for high ticket items. It is a sales tax. So if you go into a car dealership and you buy a vehicle for ten, fifteen thousand dollars a used vehicle, you pay a sales tax on that fifteen thousand dollar vehicle. If I go and buy a sixty-five thousand dollar vehicle, I pay the same percentage in sales tax. I pay more by virtue of the fact that I bought a more expensive vehicle. That is the way it's supposed to work. This has shown it works in our economy. When it comes to policy, these policies work. So why in the world? Wouldn't we look at this and say, why don't we do this on a national level? Republicans and Democrats are always going to argue and should argue about how the government uses the American taxpayer dollar. How what are the priorities of spending? That's what the argument should be. We don't do that anymore. Everybody gets what they want. And it's 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 driving us off a cliff. What we're going to do before we finish up the show is one of the other things that we talked with the governor about was school choice, the ESA program and ESA expansion. I happen to think it's going to be fantastic arguing with people on social media who completely disagree with me. I'll give you my point of view and what other people are saying coming up in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, don't forget that we are not going to have uh, Dave Ramsey today. We have Barry Markson will be in with an election special coming up right after this show and after the expansion. So make sure you stick around for it coming up here in just a few minutes. Uh, before we close it out, I want you to hear something the governor said on the show today about ESA, uh, education savings accounts, and uh, the expansion of that here in the state of Arizona. The expansion of school choice in Arizona, the fact that we're the gold standard for educational freedom, this universal ESA educational savings account is available to every parent in the state of Arizona. I really encourage everyone to take advantage of this. 
and I don't blame him uh, at all for feeling that way. The issue for me, I'm going to lay out to both cases here. Um, on one hand, when it comes to the ESA expansion, the critics would say it's going to take money out of public education. And a lot of the kids, and it's true, a lot of the kids that are taking advantage of this don't go to public schools anyway. But now these tax dollars are being relocated into private schools. I would respond to that by saying, so what? It's their money. Why should parents pay for public schools that are failing so that they have to pay bigger amounts of money to put their kids in private schools, which are succeeding? Now I'll go to the one that I think is a bigger and more important point. I've told this story many times, so I'm not going to tell it too much because I just I told it so many times. My youngest brother had an opportunity to go to a prep school almost exactly like a brophy, a Catholic college prep school, very highly touted in academics. It's called Bishop Vero High School, V-E-R-O-T, like Ross Perot, Bishop Vero High School in southwest Florida. First person in our family to go to college, he graduated with honors. You will never convince me that an opportunity to be in that academic atmosphere isn't what pushed him over the top into not only going to college, but succeeding and graduating with honors. I was raised by a single mother. She could have never afforded the tuition at that school. Thank God for that scholarship program. Why wouldn't we as a society give every working class family who has a gifted child or a motivated child that wants to go into another atmosphere than the public school that's in their neighborhood the financial opportunity to do that? Now, the detractors then would would say, "Okay, if we're going to do that, we should cut it off so that rich people don't get it. The fact of the matter is it is taxpayer dollars paid by the mothers and fathers of these children, and they should be able to use those tax dollars any way they want to fulfill the academic excellence of their child in the best way that they believe it works for their child. That's just what I believe. You have the opportunity in a working class neighborhood to say, I've got a child that is so gifted. And if they had an opportunity to go to this school or this school or this school, a charter school, a basis school, and you want to use that money for uh, transportation or you want to use that money to make sure that they get everything they need in tutoring or homeschooling or micro schools. Why shouldn't you be able to, especially if it lifts the boat of education for your child? This is about power and control, and it always is, and money is just that. Whoever controls the dollar makes the rules and has control, and for decades, the school districts themselves have controlled the dollars. Once the money is allocated, they are autonomous. They pay for the curriculum they want to pay for. They pay for the training they want to pay for. They pay the teachers what they want to pay the teachers. They do all of that. And they're entitled to. Now the parents have a bigger say because if a parent walks into a school board meeting and says, hey, wait a minute, I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't think we should be doing this. This doesn't seem right to me. Why? And you, you now have Christian families and Muslim families bonding together to fight sexually explicit content in school libraries. You don't have to have that fight. If that's going on in your school district and you're not getting any headway, you're not making any headway with the school district at least acknowledging that sexually explicit material doesn't belong in the hands of children. And if anybody else handed someone under the age of 18 sexually explicit material, they'd be arrested. But when it's all under the guise of education, it seems to be okay. And there are people that believe that. Keep your child in that school. If not, take your money. And go to a school that suits your child better.
And I think this is going to benefit the same kind of working class families that I came from. There will be other kids that are entering the ninth grade, entering high school, that are going to have an opportunity to go to a much better school than they ever dreamed of because of this. And I think that's amazing because I've watched my brother, who has been my hero since he was a little kid, turn into the brilliant man he is today. Smart, great father, great husband, great cop, great citizen of this country with an education that he graduated with honors. That was made possible because he entered high school in an academic challenging play, academically challenging atmosphere where academics came first, where there were high expectations of academics, where everybody expected to go to college when they were done. Not everybody did, but that was the expectation. Everybody deserves that opportunity, and ESA expansion gives that opportunity. Is it going to hurt public schools? Only the bad ones. Only the bad ones. And they're going to have to straighten up their act, and I think that's necessary. All right, I am out. Tomorrow morning, Matt Salmon is going to be filling in for the Mike Broomhead Show. I've got a a quick medical thing I've got to do, so I'll be back on Monday. If you want to follow me on social media, at Broomhead Show on Twitter is where you find me. Have a great day, everyone. God bless.